0: Hi everyone this is kelly from the truth in story and today i have wrangled katie flowers into having a chit chat with me uh, tonight and if you don't know who katie flowers is she has a wonderful youtube channel called katie flowers on uh youtube obviously and i will put a um it won't be an actual link, because podcasting doesn't necessarily let you do links, but it will have, you can just copy and paste it so that you can find her, and I highly suggest that you do. So, hello, Katie. Hello. How are you? This more is it morning for you? Yes, it's like eight o'clock, I think. <laughs> Miss Katie is in Australia, and yes. so she gets to live in the future, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm like 15 hours ahead of you, or some people yes. anyway.
0: That is a long way. Now, I take from your accent that you were born in Australia?
1: Yes, yes. I was born in Griffith, New South Wales, which is a little country town.
0: Aww, is that where you still are, or have you moved about? No,
1: I've moved about quite a bit. I've lived in North Queensland, and now I'm in Melbourne, which is in Victoria, down south.
0: Mm, I have heard of yeah. that. Now, Australia is one of those... Uh, I will tell you, one of the first, I, I when I started to really get interested in reading books um, in grade school, I, I actually had a hard time reading at the beginnings of grade school. And then it clicked it, a little bit later than most kids. It clicked and then I turned into a reading fiend. And I remember a series of books. It was one of my first, like, I should not have been reading them at the age I was reading them. <laughs> but it was a big series of books books about the colonization of australia um oh i wish i could i'll have to try to see if i can figure out what they were called but they were it was a long series i remember there being a lot of them and it was you know i think there was a lot of uh, romance novelty or, or overly dramatic <laughs> aspects to it but it was you know based sort of on the penal colonies and Um, everything that was going on it was and I was quite but of course because it was obviously quite romanticized I'm assuming I can't remember but I just remember being fascinated uh with with the culture um that and, and the idea that Australia seems so big but isn't it true that you really like the bulk of the people are around the edges more so than the interior
1: Yes, on the eastern coast for the most part, um, but Australia is huge. Um, it's huge. Like from Yeah, it's massive. Um, I've only lived on the eastern states, and I haven't even lived all the way up to the top, the north, and it's still like, I don't know, like a three-day drive from where I used to live. Yeah. Um, so I think people are a bit shocked at how big Australia is and how far away we are from each other.
0: Right. Because you get the same yeah. thing with America as well, where people in Europe, uh, you know, you you can go in Europe and you can not, the, I mean, I've been to uh, Amsterdam, but that was it. But you can like cross several countries like yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a drive uh, versus, you know, if we try to drive across the United States, you're talking about a solid week or so of driving. Yeah.
1: Australia would be the same, yeah. except you have to go through the Simpson Desert, which isn't fun. <laughs> so
0: is the interior not as populated because it is, like, mostly desert and it's not habitable?
1: Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there are some remote Aboriginal country, uh, right. towns um, and then some smaller kind of farming towns. But for the most part, the cities are all on the coast and the majority of them on the eastern side because we don't have a lot of fresh water and a lot of rain and stuff. Okay. So. okay. Yeah,
0: fascinating. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. If I figure out what those books are, I'll definitely send you a link. Yeah, I've never heard of them (laughs) because I remember because and now maybe I'm wrong. Was it settled by penal col? Was it the penal colony? uh,
1: Yeah, convicts. Convicts from a lot of us from Ireland and stuff, but um, it was a pretty pretty brutal history. Yeah. Um, so I can imagine it would have had to have been very romanticized.
0: Well, I mean, it was rough because I do remember it really stuck with me. That was probably, I, I would guess it was actually my first exposure to, you know, because I was young enough. Again, I shouldn't have been reading the books, but I was young enough. I don't really remember having really ever heard of Australia. And so it was just like, oh, this is this country full of these slaves and um <laughs> <laughs> and people. I mean, it did a good job showing that, you know, obviously the people who were in penal colonies, they might have stolen a loaf of bread and ended up, you know, in the penal system like it was pretty insane uh what constituted getting you thrown into jail in England at the time period.
1: Yeah, um we have I don't know about most of my heritage, but we do have um the convict records of I think it's about 10 generations before me. Oh. Um, so the man, I forget his name, but he stole a hat. Um, yeah, but she- in his in his convict photo, he's wearing quite a fancy hat. So the family <laughs> joke is that that's the hat that, that he, the stole hat he stole to get sent to Australia.
0: Oh no! See, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. See, I I don't know, Katie. It might have been accurate history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh no! I'm gonna I'm gonna search it out. There can't be that many large book series on the colonization of Australia. I wouldn't think. No, but but we'll find out we shall find out so let's swing my craziness around to um (laughs) so to tara now i know people obviously who have listened to your channels have probably heard some of this but i'm going to kind of touch on a little things because some people may not have so what was your first exposure to tarot or oracle or anything like that
1: um I'm sure there were like small exposures through media, but my first main experience was I was just in, um, I don't know, one of those little hippie kind of piercing shops. That one <laughs> piercing. Of my, That's that, a good one. <laughs> I don't know. Like they, they've got, they do really dodgy piercings and they have <laughs> incense and stuff. One of yes. my friends worked there in high school, um, and I went in there just to see her. And I don't know, I found um, Tower of a Moon Garden. Um, and it wasn't open. Like I just, it was just the box and I just thought it was, I don't know, really, it was just alluring and interesting. Um, so I bought it, but I didn't even really understand what tarot was. I went home saying tarot. I bought a tarot. (laughs) You bought a tarot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And mum was like, what are you talking about? Um, so yeah, that was really my first experience, but I only had the little white book. So um, That's a it was difficult, quite, isn't it? yeah. And I mean, it's fairly traditional now looking at it. Um, you know, now that I have the knowledge, but having absolutely no experience and using that deck, I was just completely lost, but <laughs> <Right>. I tried. <laughs> you
0: tried, And how old would you have been then? Uh, 15, 15. 14, 15. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I'm 25 now. So
0: Right. So did it stick yeah. with you or did you then just kind of go out of nothing you were watching and, and you came back to it?
1: No, um, I kind of went off the rails when I was about 17. (laughs) Um, So, um, I didn't do much of anything productive until I was about 21. So, those few years are kind of blank years for me. But (laughs) I came back to it when I was about 21. Right.
0: And so, what was your first deck coming back to it?
1: Or did you Um, go back to that
0: same deck?
1: No, no, I only got that one again recently. Um, I think I just picked up like one of those yellow box um, Rider Waite Smiths.
0: Mm, So you went into Rider Waite Smith.
1: Yeah, I found it at um, Savers, as I find a lot of my stuff at Savers. You
0: do. You are like we now say I'm assuming that Savers is like a thrift shop. Would would you call it a thrift shop?
1: We call them op shops, which is short for opportunity shops. But, yes, it's like a second-hand charity shop. Mm-hmm.
0: See, I've yep. never seen a tarot. De- I would love to stumble because you've gotten some good texts <laughs> on uh, at, at Savers. And uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen one. In fact, I, after seeing some of your videos, I called a couple thrift shops around here just to see if I was missing out on some kind of <laughs> landmine. But, no, unfortunately not they said because of all the cards it just wasn't worth they don't they don't keep them
1: yeah i have to i count them through if i can before i buy them <laughs> yeah but um yeah no i found like the osho zen and i even found like the da vinci deck and
0: yeah i know some really a weird stuff that i was just like Whoa. and a lot of them look to be brand new that you they're in yeah. really good shape yeah
1: yeah, yeah. No, I find a lot of Dorian virtue decks, which usually go on to my mother. But yeah, I find lots of somebody.
0: Stars. Somebody will use them, right? Yeah, yeah. Except yeah. for let's just say, because I am entirely blaming you for the guardian <laughs> angel tarot, because I remember seeing you. Ju- it was just on your YouTube channel, like the what do they call that? The the picture that you see, like um. I keep thinking icon. But the I thought, thumbnail. Yes, thank you. The thumbnail, and it was, and you, I think you were holding the deck up, and I thought, is that Lady <laughs> Flowers
1: with an angel deck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was completely shocked. Um, yeah, I, I really you don't identify as
0: pagan, correct? I'm, I'm not yes, yes, mis- yes. Speak, yes. But- yeah, so I saw that and I was like, what? And then I watched it and you were yourself like, I'm not sure how this happened.
1: but <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much it. But yeah, I mean, it's a sparkly pink box and it's just old angel pictures. Um, and I, I really don't, I don't know what happened, but I, I fell in love with it. And like you, it just reminded me of my old Catholic grandmother who passed away not long after or before I bought that deck. Right so. at the same time, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: This def- definitely has a lot of nostalgia involved. Although, um, I believe um, the readings that I've got used, and I, I've granted, I have not used a lot. I haven't used it with clients. It's just kind of my thing. But they've been quite on point. Like, they haven't really been um, holding back the punches. Maybe the punches are softer, but they're still there.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. That's what I've, I said, I think, in my review. I don't know whether it was about that deck or the Angel Tarot, the Blue Box mm-hmm. one by her. I really think that um, they caught a lot of flack for not being Tarot, but I think they're a lot more Tarot than people would like to admit they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a... A mixed crowd there. And I think that some of the problems truthfully with those decks is some of it is marketing. I, I do think some of the, the language in the marketing in terms of really pushing it as sort of a, a, a softer tarot or a tarot for sensitive people or this kind of thing. I think that starts to put people's backs up before they even open the box.
1: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. It's kind of like she's trying really hard to prove that it's not tarot.
0: Yeah. And before might... you even
1: get into it. But
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing to me, uh, you know, I personally like my tarot with a little bit of bite. <laughs> so. Yes, yes. But Definitely I will agree. say, when I pulled, you know, I did that walkthrough recently, and I went to pull, every time, and I went to pull my, just pulled three cards for myself, and it was uh, now I can't even think what it was it was what was like the ten of swords and the five of cups and that was I mean it was whatever it was it was just like thank you thank you, was, <laughs> you know, thank you for proving that you're not a soft deck because you just kicked me in the knees you know yeah yeah <laughs> oh. uh-huh. now and I know that you've been um and and quite proactive about discussions discussing on your channel, um, mental health issues and things like that. And I feel like one of the ways in which um, I feel quite connected to your channel, even though we haven't had the same story, um, some of the resonances are the same in the grieving process and the things that you have um, been going through um, and have dealt with and have been quite open about dealing with. Um, Would you say that you have found tarot to be helpful in that sort of healing process for you?
1: Yes, (laughs) just yes. Um, I think that was a big part of It was a huge part of my healing process. It helped me really reframe my experience. I think I was really resentful and angry and frustrated um, about, uh, you know, how traumatic my experience was and how much it had really – it felt like it destroyed my life. Um, You know, I was a law student. I was a party person. I had heaps of friends. um, And then all of that just kind of got ripped out from underneath me. Um, So it was a
0: pretty fast, uh, you know – Hit hit hard uh, quickly
1: for you, or just
0: didn't. It recognize? had been
1: building up. It had been building up for a long time. Um, but I'd been self medicating with alcohol for a long time. So when I stopped drinking alcohol, that's kind of when. Ah, uh, they had uh, to pay the piper. It started. Yeah, yeah. I kind of lost everything after that. So, um, yeah, tarot really, really helped me reframe that whole experience. Um, it was actually a tarot reading that I got at a festival. Um, it was just one of those, you know, like 15 minute free ones mm-hmm. that you can get at festivals. And um, I think she drew the Ten of Swords, the Eight of Swords oh, and the no. Tower. Like, um, And that was kind of like, you know, those breakthrough moments that you have. I just kind of sobbed for four hours. and But I think um, it really did. It just kind of helped me, I don't know, appreciate my illness on some level, right. um, appreciate the opportunity that it had given me. Um, obviously not, I wasn't okay with what had happened, but I don't know, it just helped me kind of see it in a different way. Um, and so that was really, I think, how I started to get better.
0: Right. And so um, I have actually had experience with clients, um, surprisingly enough, who have, discussed their, um, tarot usage with their, um, counselors and, uh, had very good, um, reactions to uh, like using daily draws um, and things like that as ways of kind of being able to focus uh, maybe some journal writing or focus on uh, uh, even positive you know looking for positive messages at the beginning of the day but I've actually had really good experiences with counselors and uh, using tarot which I thought was quite interesting.
1: Yeah that's a very interesting <laughs> <laughs> Cause I don't know that I would, I I that I would that have brought it
0: up to be honest I'm a bit of a I don't know if I would bring anything like that up to a counsellor, but I was pretty impressed.
1: Yeah, I did um, mention it to my psychiatrist once just because it, I can't remember how, but somehow it was important to what I was saying Mm -hmm. that I I mentioned that I use tarot. Um, And you know, obviously, part of their job is to uh, remain neutral. Um, right. But I could, I could see the look in her eye. It was a little bit of oh, right. Um, <laughs> but no, she was she was lovely, and it was kind of more in a her approach was more well, whatever helps you. <laughs> like, right, just,
0: <laughs> pat yeah. you on the head and say, okay, sweetie. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know if that's like tarot isn't really a well-known big thing in Australia I don't know if it is different elsewhere but it was just kind of I think she had very much that sort of fortune teller movie idea of it just thought I was a little bit nuts
0: (laughs) I do think that you tend at least in my experience there tends to be this either or reaction to tarot either and majorly, <laughs> the, their, underst- their exposure, people's exposure to tarot is based off of movies and that sort of dun-dun-dun, the tower <laughs> card, you know, or the devil card and then, you know, bring in the scary mu- music and that kind of thing or... Or there's that sort of interest, you know, but it's that doesn't happen very often. Most of the time it seems to be, okay, are you a rational, intelligent human being?
1: Yes, yes, no. I think um, I've also, this might sound strange, but I've also really struggled with sharing um, my love of tarot with people. um, Because I've noticed that some people already have quite heavy stigmas around what bipolar means and looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think... Uh, sometimes when I mention that um, you know people know that I have bipolar, mm-hmm. and then I mention that I I'm working with tarot, they kind of just think that I'm completely so they crazy just kind and, of
0: write that out, off as part of the illness versus yeah,
1: like like I've just lost my mind and I don't really know what's going on anymore. It's really quite it's it's a little disheartening. <laughs>
0: I would wa- I would suppose, because actually, to be honest, I found this a little bit even with uh, the grieving, with a long-term grieving process, that a lot of times people just write a lot of things off to grieving. It's like, no, this has nothing to do with that. And you probably get similar things and probably much worse um, with, with people assuming that anything at all is to do with your illness. Everything is to do with your illness. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah if i If I'm laughing too much, it's my illness if i If I get upset, it's my illness, yeah, no, I definitely have people like that in my life, and that's got to be
0: very frustrating
1: it is, but it's also part of the reason that I am so open about it mm-hmm. um just because I know not everybody is comfortable and I don't expect everybody to be open about mm-hmm. their illness, but I feel able to um and I think it's important to have some people who are i don't know humanizing um exactly. some yeah some severe illnesses, so um exactly. that's, that's, a big reason why I think I that's
0: yeah that's what drew me to your channel actually because I want to say the first video and I don't even know what it was but I want to say the first video I saw of yours I don't remember it being an overly tarot based one but I think it was more about your uh, journey with bipolar and that really resonated with me because you know Michael was you know we knew right away that he had um had a disease and so uh there's not that there's as much of a stigma obviously around having health as mental health that's two different categories but there was always this um where everybody almost had to be if you were a, a parent of a chronically ill child there was sort of this uh super superhero syndromes i like to call mm. it where everybody kind of if you read books about it in the same thing I think with mental health because I have read some books where everybody that's writing about it is writing it they've overcome and they're powerful mm. and they're strong because of it and you know we shall persevere all these uh, very cheerleader kind of things which yes. is important we want to be supportive but it was to the degree that me in, as a let's say 22 year old mother who was curled up on the floor not being able to handle Handle the pressure, it made me feel like a failure, because somehow, you know, uh, I was having a dark night of the soul because of this, and everybody else seemed to be doing fine. Um, and so I feel like sometimes we have to, there has to be people who's willing to say, this is really shitty. But then also, okay, this is really, this is where I'm strong. This is to see the whole, whole message, not just part of it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why um, I do try to share some of the harder mm-hmm. moments. I mean, obviously, some are just too hard to of share. Course. It's not like we um, want to bare our souls either. No, but. exactly. But I think it's important for people uh, to start to, I don't know, we like success stories, right? Yes, um, exactly. But some illnesses, some experiences are ongoing. So even though, um, you know, I'm doing a lot better than I was a couple of years ago, you know, I still have weeks or months mm-hmm. that are just... Um, really bad. Um, And uh, I think um, it's just important to kind of have a more holistic view, not only of experiences, but people, um, like a holistic view of people um, as individuals. And um, our experiences are all a really big part of that.
0: Yeah. And that things like uh, mental illness, health, Ill- same thing with Michael, just in terms of his health, uh, not being that that's not the whole of a person either, because yes. Michael really struggled with that, that it's very difficult to not be viewed by your whatever this particular whether it's the mental health or for him physical health that that wasn't all of who he is or for me even now I'm not just a grieving mother you know that's not the entirety of me and we often get we often look at people and see one thing
1: yes yes it's very important for us to remember that we all have so so many facets to us
0: I think the other reason why I've also resonated with your story is because of what you just said, the fact that it's long term. And I think that that for me is one of my big soapboxes with, you know, through all 26, 27 years with Michael is understanding that when something is there, you know, it's not going to you're not going to wake up and it's gone. You know, it's not going to miraculously say something that will always have to be worked with. That's difficult. There is something you can rally even for a couple of years if you have to on something. But when it's something that you are going to have to deal with your whole life, that's hard. And that's wearing it. And it needs a special kind of people to be there and support.
1: Yeah. And I think um, it's so easy to just feel such a heavy sense of resignation. Um, And I think that's why, um, I don't know, I think that's a big reason that I resonate with your story of grief so much is because for me, um, there was a grieving process of... um, everything that i thought i was going to be um you know i really had to accept that this was a lifelong thing that i was going to have to deal with um and that was going to change some stuff um whereas yeah if it had been a more short-term or even medium-term sort of illness
0: for a couple months and then it will be fine
1: yeah whereas when you can't do that you really have to do shift so much of your life and your understanding and your goals Um, so yeah, there definitely was a grieving process and I don't think that that's something that we really, um, at least in the mental health community really, I don't think a lot of people have really caught on to that idea that, you know, you do have to go through a grieving process sometimes, um, to let go of what you thought your life was going to look like or what you wanted from your life
0: which I think actually a lot of people can learn from because that happens in a lot of things. I mean, even when Michael was born and we realized, you know, that that it's a fairity, there's a grieving process there, even though you still, Mm. uh, what you expect that when you're, you know, when you're pregnant, you're going to have a baby and how things are supposed to go, the kind of happily ever after that we build in our minds of things and you have to grieve that. And then same thing with Michael, when he reaches a point of understanding uh, old enough to be able to understand, you know, his life and what it was going to be. He had to go through that sort of grieving process of realizing. So I think that that's an important message because I think that we don't, oh, for a lot of different things that when life takes a big turn, um, mm. that sometimes we're not just dealing with the thing that we're dealing with, but we're also dealing with the loss of how we expected life to be.
1: Yeah. And grief is such a big Topic, isn't it? It's, it it's. Is. I mean, a huge, a huge part of it is, is death. Yes, but we grieve about so many different things, it and is. I think, yeah, and like you said, there's so many stages of grieving, um, and not only just you know those, those uh, ones it's that we talk about right, the acceptance and the denial, but yeah. the actual the experience of different um, phases of life and where we're at, and different things and elements that we have to grieve.
0: Yeah, that's a a good point because I will say, you know, I have a, I do a lot of grief work with clients because I think I talk about it a lot. So obviously um, that's something that people will come to me for. And it's interesting because it's very, I would say a smaller part of it is to do with grieving over a death. And the larger process is all kinds of uh, ways in which people experience loss and need to to kind of to to deal with it. It's been quite eye opening And and it's not belittling, you know, it's not that they shouldn't be doing it. It's just really fascinating to see and to understand that, you know, when your life really shifts and you kind of, take that crossroad moment. Um, So when you go to the left, right, you've lost whatever's to the right. And there is, so there is, there is a sense that we, I think, have lots of little losses and griefs all through life. And I guess maybe if we can learn to deal with the smaller ones, maybe we can (laughs) handle the bigger ones better. I'm not sure.
1: That's the aim, isn't
0: it? Now you have recently, I absolutely, I just, not too long ago, was able to uh, take a look at your, um, your Etsy shop because you recently <laughs> but you're doing something amazing In go ahead and tell us what you have focused your professional reading on
1: um basically I just wanted to find a way to kind of maintain that sense of community and contact that's always been really important to me um so I'm doing tarot readings exclusively by handwritten sale mail letter um, which so is just amazing. really fun and cute, and um, I don't know. It just adds a really special sort of touch for me. Anyway, I think it's really fun.
0: It, it seemed, to me it, when I saw it, if my first was that's brilliant because it's difficult. <laughs> I mean, if you you know, let's be honest, it it is business, and in a business sense, it's difficult to find. A, you know, a niche or some place yeah. in which there aren't fifteen thousand other people doing the same thing. Um, and so, first of all, I thought well, that's just brilliant, and then it's perfect for your. For you, that kind of the you that I have come to know just through videos, you know, sitting in the chair with the little bookshelf, and (laughs) it just felt like so because to me, you seem like you would be just as comfortable in a Jane Austen novel, like living in a (laughs) Jane Austen novel. Okay, be fantastic. I fantastic. I do not. I like hot showers, and I like, yes. <laughs> they are a, I don't want to live in the past. However, I think that you could pull it off, and that's you know thinking of hand letter writing, and because I do agree it's a dying art, and I think that it's wonderful. Um, I think it's a fantastic way to approach it. Uh, I, yeah. know it's, I know it's quite fresh for you. You haven't had it open too too long.
1: Yeah, only a couple of weeks, but it's already been so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, I guess, I realized that you know I'm not as prolific as some readers, and I'm, um, you know, I don't have twenty years experience under my belt or anything. So I just wanted to do something a little bit different. And right. I did want to, um, you know, I'm not like a hardcore shadow worker reading reader or anything. So I, I wanted to bring that sense of fun and that sense of. Um, I don't know, excitement of waiting for a letter and right. tearing it open. Because you <laughs>
0: really have, I have people, you know, tapping their fingers to wait for a week to get it in an email. <laughs> so um, I, can, I can imagine uh, that that would build up quite the anticipation, waiting for a letter from Australia, unless most of your clients are Australian, which probably is not the
1: case. Um, I've had a couple from Australia, and the letters only take a couple of days. But um, most have been overseas, and um that's why I try to get them out pretty quickly. But uh, the post uh, takes between a, it doesn't take – I think it's six to ten days, so it's not that's too not long. Not too bad, yeah. No, so it's not like a month, but it, so it's still relevant, but it's not. Although, yeah, um, anticipation you know, just, does get to build yeah, up. Yeah,
0: but just think once you start, because at first it's easy to pop them out quickly. But I can tell you, I've been I'm at a year now with professional yeah. training. and it starts to get you know a little bit hard. You know, then it's like a week to get to it, and then another yeah. week. But it's but then that's going to build the anticipation. I think it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, do you find with having to handwrite them that, um, you, um, have to think and like condense things down? I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to ask. Does it change the way that you find yourself approaching the reading because you are handwriting it out?
1: Yeah, it does a little bit. Um, I think, um, It kind of helps me just go with my intuition a little bit more Mm. um, because if I'm typing, it's so easy to kind of stress about every single piece of punctuation and every single word choice, whereas when I'm writing it, it's just kind of a lot more of a flow Um, and I think that's part of why I like it so much. Um, It really does. It just kind of... Yeah, it's just an intuitive process. Whereas I think I'm the sort of person that can start to overthink the whole so um, situation when I have.
0: Well, that's interesting because you would almost think writing it would be more restricting, but in a sense, what you're saying is it almost frees you because you can't go back and edit.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah no, I definitely. I feel that's been my experience thus far, and I and I love it. And are you writing it in pen? <laughs> Yes, yes, just um, pen on some pretty paper and, uh, yeah.
0: That's fantastic. Do you include, like, a picture of the cards or how are you managing that or just kind of list, talking about them?
1: Um, I talk about them and kind of set the scene, but there is an option. Uh, to just add a, that in. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of bucks for a couple of yeah. photos. So
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. I just saw that and I thought, that's just so fantastic. oh. <laughs> <laughs> So that's exciting for exciting. Do you think you're going to, are your intentions to kind of stay in that direction or? um,
1: For now, I think so. I mean, you always, always kind of see where things go, but um, I'm really, yeah, for now I'm really enjoying it. Um, And I think it's, I think it's quite perfect for me. So
0: now when if somebody were to go to, do you have a specific, do you have a website hub or do you, how do people, how could people find you outside of YouTube?
1: Um, I do have a website, um katyflowers.com, um, and then on Etsy I'm snail Mail tarot um, dot etsy.com.
0: Which is fantastic. So that's great. Yeah. I will try to make sure I put a link to that, or at least again, I can't put links, but I'll try to put that in the description box as well to check it out. But please do check it out because I just think it's fantastic. In fact, I have one bookmarked because I'm definitely going to get one just for the sake <laughs> of getting a letter from Australia. I think it's worth it just for that. I think it's awesome. <laughs> um, so now, just to, t- I'm, we're, I'm going to try to wrap it up because I am trying so hard to keep these at thirty minutes, but it is. Very- very hard for me. Um, But um, now I just lost what I was going to say. Just in terms of you, because the other part that's quite interesting about your channel for me recently, and I'm taking a complete left turn dive here, but um, you talk a lot in your channel because you do again, uh, talk openly about being a pagan and, and you have been working with Lilith for mm-hmm. a while. How did, and again, I know this is a left term, but I want to make sure I ask this. How did you as a because i guess i think of uh for me i did know who lilith was uh simply through i think that lilith is mentioned in roman catholic the apocrypha uh versus like the the bible that most people see there's some apocryphal texts about lilith so i had heard of her before not usually in a good light in the christian sense
1: (laughs) not at all so
0: how did you stumble on her to start Um, working with her
1: i don't know it was really quite strange um I was kind of doing a lot of work around um, uh, my fears my fears, and, um, yeah, I guess just my fears around leaving Christianity. I mean, I hadn't been a practicing Christian really properly ever, but I was raised Catholic and I went to a Catholic school. um, And I guess I was one of those kids being a little bit more anxious than most. Um, The idea of hell and all of that stuff really did stick in my head and (laughs) scare me. Um, So, I mean, I knew paganism was... I don't know, it just touched my heart and made me feel good. So I knew that was where I wanted to be but I did have to do a lot of work with, um, you know, just coming to terms with... Uh, not being terrified. Yeah,
0: because that um, stuff digs in deep, doesn't it? I mean, I have not been practicing Christian since I was 21. And I'm 47. And there are still those little moments <laughs> where those, yeah. those lessons creep up in the, you know, chill in your spine and you think, Oh, am I gonna get struck by lightning?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think um, one of the important things for me was to um, really consider how I'd been uh, taught about women um, mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church, and that kind of led me to um, I don't know, healing my Eve, I guess. I'm mm-hmm. um, working with Eve a little bit, and once I kind of sat with that for a little while, all of a sudden Lilith just was popping up, um, and um, I really enjoy working with goddess energy and the divine feminine, um, and. Her story just fascinated me. Um, she is such. If you know, there's lots of different ways to view mm. Lilith, and um, some aren't so pretty. But <laughs> no, not. Um, you know, if you really start to restory her, it can just turn into such an empowering, feminist, wonderful um, archetype that is just so much fun to work with and. Yeah, she's just fascinating on so many levels, and she comes through in so many different myths and so many different cultures, like Jewish texts as well, and then her more traditional um, Babylonian, Samarian sort of history, and yeah, it's just, she's fascinating to me, um, and just really empowering too.
0: I, I just think it's, fit. had you heard of her before you you stumbled on her, like in, this, you know, more in the last year or so, had you ever heard of her as in, in the Catholic Church?
1: Um, heard of, yes, just, um, I kind of, um, had this picture of her being, you know, the other woman in, um, paradise who tripped Eve and was kind of somehow connected to the serpent, um, and was evil. That's pretty and much that's
0: kind of a broad, yeah, broad, because some people, very basic I know a lot of people who have never even heard of Lilith, especially as, well, because I grew up more, I mean, I grew up younger and Catholic, but my bulk of mine was Protestant. Um, and so there's really not, uh, any talk of lilith at all in the protestant church there's a lot of people who've never even heard of her before
1: no i think she's only mentioned once in the like the bible that we know today um yeah so she's more um in the alternative jewish texts um it's kind of where that story of her being the alternative um the first eve basically kind of started is in jewish texts I didn't yeah.
0: know that. I'm gonna to have to do. I had, like I said, I've heard of her, and I had been fascinated with her um, in the past when I was uh, much like you, when I was kind of uh, reevaluating my idea of of the female and especially the feminine divine. Because if you raise in in a, you know strict type uh, Catholic and or Christian religions, I think that's often uh, one of the gaps is that uh, view of women in a positive light. And so I think that that's pretty standard to have to kind of touch back in there and uh, kind of reevaluate that. And I had... Because uh, there are some apocryphal texts that are actually, I think, supposed, you know, written like, let's say, Mary Magdalene had written them, some other, you know, other texts like that, which were obviously had no chance of getting into the Bible, <laughs> as we know it, um, given who was deciding on what books were going into the Bible, being a fairly wealthy males. Um, yes. But so, yeah, so I had stumbled on some with her just in, in terms of that looking into it. But I, I'm going to have to do some more uh, focused reading uh, just because it is fascinating.
1: Yeah, no, just reading about her. just It's just exciting and it's so interesting because it's a mix of history and culture and feminism and it's just it's just all of the things that juice me up. <laughs> now, is this
0: <laughs> your first experience with having like a primary... Um, you know, female deity that you work with?
1: Um, no, when I first um, kind of started working and exploring paganism, Kuan Yin came up for me. And I think um, she's kind of like the, I don't want to oversimplify, but like the Eastern Mary, mm-hmm. um, you know, so she was just this gentle, loving, compassionate um, energy that I think I really needed for that transition, um, working with that fear that I had coming from, you know, a Christian mm-hmm. History, I mean, as I said, it's not. I'm not strongly Christian, my history, but um, it's still enough to scare you up a little right. bit. So um, I think Kuan Yin just kind of like helped me ease through that transition period. Yeah. Um, but after that, yeah, I just, because um, I'm a pantheist, so I don't see God, um, you know, a goddess and gods as literal sort of beings like a monotheist or a polytheist might, but I did work with more just spirit and universe or whatever, but... Yeah, then Lilith came up and I've just been having a lot of fun experimenting and exploring the different ways that I can work with divine and spirit energy.
0: And would you say that that has, um, is there a way in which uh, focusing like that, has that impacted your healing also in the way, do you use that uh, connection in terms of your healing or do you find that to be separate?
1: Um, I do use it in terms of healing my more feminine side and my understanding of Womanhood in society. I wouldn't say I use it with healing so much with my more mental health experience, mm-hmm. but definitely there's a big healing that I felt I need to do um, with my understanding of living in the society that I do and the expectations that were put on me and the women around me. Um, Lilith is definitely helping me come to terms with all of that and um, appreciate the men in my life a whole lot more, mm-hmm. um, rather than resenting some yeah. of the experience that I've had um, and also just kind of uh, loving and. Um, appreciating myself and the women in my life as well
0: yeah. that's a really good point that you make though because i do think that sometimes there is the understanding that if somebody is let's say working with the feminine divine uh, specifically that somehow that indicates that they are man haters you know yeah. <laughs> or um you know that, that is going to make you um appreciate men less but I don't think that's really the
1: point (laughs) no I think it's done exactly the opposite Mm -hmm. for me and I did make a video um that touched on you know why I um really choose to work with um feminine energy almost exclusively and it is because um you know I think I said in that video it's not feminism and the goddess that makes me resent men it's the patriarchy that I grew up in Mm -hmm. um whereas working with the goddess is helping me um yeah, love men again. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, because
0: truthfully, if you read old, cause I'm really big into old mythologies and folklore. Mm. There, there's no lack of love of men in the old, <laughs> in the old no. mythologies. <laughs> so I think that yeah, I definitely think that's a, a thing that comes from patriarchy, not from uh, mm. any goddesses. I'm sure there's a couple man-hating goddesses out there somewhere, because <laughs> there's some scary ones.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, like, I mean, it just depends on what sort of stories and the way you choose to interpret them, exactly. but I think for most of us, it's really, uh, a, it's not supposed to be about hating anyone, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be about healing ourselves so we can love ourselves and the world even more. Right, well,
0: that is wonderful, and I I know I definitely saw that, uh, video, and, um, I was gonna, <laughs> it just made me think, I'm jumping track here, but I was gonna say, uh, Wondering what the title might have been, and I have had the biggest kick out of watching your titles, Katie, because you put numbers on your titles, <laughs> and, and it's I not, like, it's multiple times where it will be like 101 ways in which you can get to know your tarot.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or something. Like I talk that. about five, and you feel <laughs> uh,
0: I get the kick, I just forget a big kick because that you, you forget the period and it <laughs>
1: changes the title. Yeah, no, I really need to be more more aware of that.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up. But I really appreciate you coming on and uh, chit chatting with me. Um, I hopefully it was not
1: painful. <laughs> no, I think it was probably good that I had very little notice, so I can suck myself not, out too You wouldn't much. have to worry about it,
0: <laughs> right? Maybe that's yeah. how I have to do this. I have to dive bomb people. We're doing it in three hours. So go. <laughs> uh well thank you so much and i will definitely put links to you can find katie um, on youtube please do her youtube uh, channel is fantastic and take a look at her etsy shop as well because who does not want to get a letter from katie flowers <laughs> so um so i'm going to go ahead and let you go and i will talk to all of you out there later thank See. you all right Bye bye